If you would take your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews today in the New Testament, not the Psalms. It's a special day, so we have a special text. Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. There are 40 verses in Hebrew, uh, Hebrews 11. Is it possible for a pastor to preach 40 verses in 20 minutes? Yes. Pardon? Yes. Uh, will this pastor cover 40 verses in? No, no, we, we will not. So you're so pragmatic. Good to have you in God's house. Uh, fun day. It's been great to have Darren here all weekend. Uh, and I'm glad that you are here. How many of this is the first time you've been in this sanctuary? This is the, your first Sunday. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? It's like totally different. So it's, a good, be, it's good to be in here uh, and to have you here this, this morning. So let's go to God in prayer as we look at the scriptures. Father, we uh, give you praise for who you are. Thank you for the facility that you have uh, orchestrated uh, in and through the, the work and the gifts of the many. And uh, we just pray that this building might be a great testimony uh, to the power of the gospel of Christ. Uh, challenge us with the scriptures today. Uh, invigorate our faith. Uh, create an opportunity for us to think even bigger things for you as we study what faith is about in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when you think about uh, this great day being the 45th year of the church, also being the dedication of our new building, uh, how did this all come about? Uh, how did it happen? Uh, theologically, you could say uh, in its base form, God providentially worked behind the scenes for 45 years. It's exactly what he did. Proverbs uh, tells us a lot about God's providence and his plans. Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verse 9 it says this about God's providence. It says that man's heart plans his way, but you notice the contrast, but the Lord directs his steps. So you have a free will to make choices, but behind the scenes, God's guiding you to get you to where he thinks that you need to be to do the things he wants you to do. Uh, Proverbs 19.21 says something similarly. It says, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. So God has his plan for your life uh, and uh, he's had his plan for our church. So when you think about uh, just what has happened here uh, in the 45 years of our church, uh, it is a testimony to the, the great providence of God working uh, to bring this to fruition. We've had a lot of great leaders over the years, uh, people of great faith, great leaders of faith. Uh, you've met Jack Elwood. Uh, Jack was uh, the pastor before me. Uh, there was actually an interim between uh, myself and Jack. Uh, Mark Green was the interim pastor. Uh, way back in 1975, it was uh, uh, Mike Winsip uh, and then Paul Hansen and John Dorsch, then Jack Elwood, Mark Green, and then Marty. It's interesting. All those years, uh, great leaders giving great, great vision to uh, what the church could be. Uh, and they cast a vision that was amazing. So they, they broke away uh, from a denomination that was drifting away from sound doctrine. Uh, there was 83 people in 1975 in July when they founded the church. And they wanted to build a church on sound doctrine, Bible teaching, prayer, uh, love of the gospel. Uh, and boy, did they do it. And they cast a huge vision for the church. And now you're, you're realizing the vision of these people. But they had great faith is what I want to focus on. And, and the kind of faith that they had and that we've had as a church is the kind of faith that we need to take us forward. I call it high-definition faith. Uh, how many have a high-definition television at home? Yeah. And it's bigger than 50 inches. Yeah, the bigger the better, right? Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you like it? You do? Yeah. I mean, isn't it amazing? Because when Liz and I first moved here, uh, we had... Two giant Sony televisions, like massive. Remember when they were massive and it took two people to pick them up? 
Uh, when we bought these TVs back in the day, I thought they were just, they were, they were, it was in high definition, but I, it was the bomb of a television. I loved those televisions, but they were so massive. And uh, one day uh, we got a note that a truck was coming and was going to deliver something to our house back in 08 of November when we moved here. So one day a truck came, uh, the guy offloaded this large box. I'm like, what is that? And there was a letter from her dentist that she had worked for for 19 years. And basically he said, uh, to thank you for working and uh, running my office for me all these years, I bought you a high-definition television. They're just some things you know you receive, right? <laughs> bring that in the house. This is amazing. Uh, so we got all plugged up, talked to some people here at church, like, what do I do with this thing? Got all hooked up. And uh, once we turned it on, do you think I kept the old Sony? I donated it. I donated that television. Because once you saw the new picture and the old picture, there was no comparison between the high definition. Now, I don't know where you shop. I've told you over the years I love to shop. I, I do. I love to shop. Uh, in fact, I ask my wife to go shopping sometimes, and she's like, why? I'm like, because I love to shop. When we go to Costco, whenever you go into a Costco, you go through the main door, show them your card. Usually, what's to the right of you? What? Televisions. Never look that direction. Because what happens when you look that direction? You realize that the visual ability of that particular TV is far superior to probably what you have at home, right? This leads to the sin of coveting. And the next thing you know, you want to spend $2,500 on a new television. So why? Because we love high definition. So let's take, think about high definition for a moment, how wonderful it is when you get it, and just apply it to faith. Because if somebody has blurry faith, uh, and they're kind of wishy-washy in their faith, you don't really want to emulate that. That doesn't excite you. But when you're around somebody that has great faith in God, that's like high-definition faith. You want to get near that person. You want to know that person because that faith excites you. And I would say that's the kind of faith our leaders have had over the years. It's just catchy, catchy faith. We want to study that kind of faith because we are a church of great faith. And what is great faith like? And so since there's 40 verses, and you've already told me it's impossible to cover 40 verses in one sermon, we're only going to cover a few verses. We're going to take some snapshots uh, from this Hall of Faith chapter of the Bible, uh, Hebrews 11, and look at three different things it says about faith. Because this is the faith of our fathers, this is the faith that we have, and it's the faith that we want as we go forward. So what is high-definition, awesome faith like? Number one, high-definition faith is rational it's not irrational. It's rational. So I've told you before, I'm a Christian because I'm a thinking person. Not because I walk into church, I check my brain, and I hope against hope that it's true. Oh, no. No, I'm a thinking person. I'm very analytical. I want to look at the evidence and then consider this evidence. Is it true that there is a God? Is it true that he has spoken? Is it true that it is his word, etc.? I want to verify those things and, and then come to a conclusion about faith based on evidence. What does it say in Hebrews 11 that faith is, consists of? Here's what it says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the what? The evidence. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds, the cosmos as we know it, and in all of its complexities, in order, were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made by the things which are visible. So you, DNA chain in all of its complexities, enzymes, amino acids, molecules, whatever, everything that is in our cosmos was made, according to the scriptures, by the very word of God. So when there was nothing, God spoke, as it says in Genesis 1, and it became. Talk about power. 
And this is what he says. Our faith tells us that, that we have evidence for this. So when you look at science, science doesn't, they say they have some evidences that prove where we came from, how we got here, but their, their, their evidences are vacuous when you look at them. Because the scriptures say, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word a substance, hupotasis uh, in Greek. I took six years of Greek uh, going through school because all my friends always told me, there's so much lost in the translation, you cannot trust the New Testament. Well, how am I going to refute that? How would you refute that? Learn Greek. So I took six years of Greek because I wanted to read, is anything lost between the, the, those writings that the scriptures come from and the New Testament in my hand? Guess what I found out after six years of higher education? Nothing was lost in the translation. Plus, I learned that these words are very interesting. When it says that faith is a substance of things, the Greek word for substance is the word for title deed in the Greek culture. Title deed. So do you have a mortgage right now? Yeah. Are you ever going to pay that thing off? Mm -hmm. Is it possible to pay your house off in the northern D.C. environment? Well, yeah, but it's not easy. So when I first came here and, and from California in 08, I'm thinking I'm coming from California. Homes, are they're worth a lot of money. I'm coming with cash, no problem. It's a problem because I couldn't afford my five-bedroom, three-bath house here with RV parking. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, so, And the interest rates back then were 6.5. What a deal. Then I refied over the years to 4.75. Now I'm, I'm refining presently to 2.25. It's unbelievable. What's my goal? Pay my house off. And I amortized it, and I think I can do it in about eight years. So I'm excited. And so once I pay it off, what are they going to give me? Title deed to my house, right? That's what happens when you pay your house off. You get the title deed to your house. It's the substance. So it's the sure thing. So that when you've got that title deed in your house, you can say, hey, this is mine. I paid that thing off. He says, when it, when it comes to your faith, your faith is a hope, but it's a hope based in facts, like the title deed of the fact that there is a God. He says that we as Christians, uh, we understand that the evidence that there is a God because he says we understand the evidence that God has given to us that he exists. Science, what does science say? Well, it has all kinds of metaphysical problems uh, that it cannot uh, surmount. I'll give you some of them. Uh, some of the problems that science has are questions like this. Why is there something rather than nothing? Why? I mean, if this all came about by a big bang, I mean, how'd that happen? Why did it create order and complexity? How did complexity just come from chaos? How did the rational come from the irrational? How could specified complex systems that are interrelated to each other, that need each other, ever come about in a series of changes over millennium? There's no way it could happen. So when we think about science, it has many limitations. A lot of it is faith because they weren't there. But the scriptures say, well, no, God made this happen. And we have a problem with cause effect because behind every chair is a chair maker. Behind the chair maker is someone who made the chair maker. Someone made that person. We live in chain, a chain of cause and effect. And we all know cause and effect cannot go in reverse to infinity. Because there, there has to be something you hang it on. Because there's no such thing as self-causation. Chair didn't cause itself. Podium didn't cause itself. There must be something bigger than cause effect outside of time and space that's eternal that made things. That's God. He says, we have evidence. Well, what's the evidence? Well, we went through this uh, several weeks ago when we went through one of the Psalms. I gave you all the evidences uh, for the fact there is a divine being. But when you look at this building, there's tons of evidence that there's a divine, divine being by just looking at the building. 
As they built this building and all of the stages, the 1,200 dump trucks that drove by my window with all that beeping noise, who invented that? It's of the devil. That beep, beep, beep. It drove me crazy for a whole year, all those trucks. Uh, but they dug a huge pit over here for, the, for the, um, the, the basement and all that they did. But what I found most interesting was when they got down to the wiring of the building. Uh, because behind the stage here is a room where a lot of the wires terminated for all the sanctuary. And stuff. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of wires. There was one guy that I only ever saw in there. He would sit in there for hours, put in all those wires where they went. And I would go by and talk to him and he wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> Probably good, right? Because you don't want like turning on the stage lights and a toilet flushes or something. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this guy was like organized. He's following all those lines, putting them over where they go. And then they put three uh, circuit boxes outside my office, big ones with hundreds of wires feeding in there. And I'm like, what in the world? But I would walk around and go, all of this design tells me there's a what? There's a designer. Only a fool would look at all that and go, nah, it just happened. No, all that intricacy, all that design tells me there's a designer behind it. See, we have lots of evidences in the world that we live in, just in the building. The building tells us there must be a God because the premise is true. Behind a design is a designer. Behind a really complex design is a really complex designer. So how much more intricate is the human eye than an electrical system? Much more. How much more intricate is your brain, etc.? So there's much evidence that points us to God. We are a church that believes in a living God, and we believe He is there, uh, and we don't just hope against hope that he's there. We look at the evidence that he has given to us and we serve and worship him. That kind of faith is what our fathers have had. That's the kind of faith that your pastors and your staff has had here. That's why we've accomplished what we've accomplished for God because we have had faith grounded in the evidences that there is a God who is and we serve him. Number two, high definition faith. What is it like? It gives up. It goes out from wherever you were, and it gains big time in the, in the final analysis. It, it gives up things that you love. Abraham, we'll look at him in verse 8. See, I'm skipping verses so we can do this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. Uh, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in the tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham, he was a Chaldean. He lived uh, in Ur of the Chaldees, which was locate, located alongside the Euphrates River, which was just a few miles north of the, of the apex of um, the Persian Gulf where the Tigris and the Euphrates uh, converged down there. He's, in, he's called by God. We don't know how God called him. We don't know if he saw, had a dream, had a vision, got a direct word from God. We don't know. But God comes to this man in his 70s and tells him, I got something for you to do. If you're retired right now and you think God's done with you, I think again. See, God typically uses people later in life. He comes to Abraham in his 70s and says, I want to I make a new nation out of you. I want you to leave the comfort of Ur, and I want you to travel 150 miles north to Haran, uh, and I want you to spend some time there, and I will eventually tell you where you're going. Well, we know from Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 to 7, his dad dies in Haran, Terah, is his father. And then he eventually tells him, I want you to go down to Canaan land. That's going to be the land of promise. And I'm going to make you a great nation there, a Jewish nation. And through you, I'm going to bless the entire world by sending the Messiah one day. And he goes to Haran, not knowing where he's going. He, he must have not been type A, correct? 
Uh, exactly where are we going how long am I going to be there I mean I got to calculate do I have enough fuel to get there? except no he, he just went he did he did exactly what God wanted him to do so what did he do he gave up the familiar for the unfamiliar he gave up security financial for insecurity he gave up predictable he born and raised in Ur for the unpredictable he gave up safety for danger he gave up the ease of life for possible uh, hardness he gave up leaning upon himself and trusting what he could provide in the city of Ur to I'm going into I don't know where See, this is great faith. He had high definition faith. He gave up, he went out for God, and then God blessed him greatly by making him the forefather of the Jewish nation through whom will come the Messiah Jesus. See, some of you had that same kind of high definition faith because I know because I've seen you in action. Uh, some of you are here because you passed on a really great job somewhere else because you wanted to stay here because of what this church means and what this church is doing. You, you didn't want to miss it. So you made a sacrifice to stay here. And God has blessed you because of that. Some of you were a part of the original uh, group that started this church. Uh, and uh, you wanted to make a Bible teaching, culture impacting church in a, in a very progressive, uh, non-Christian environment. Uh, and you set out to do that. And look at what God has done. You gave up the comfort of the church you were in. And you came to start a church. And God has blessed you in that. Uh, some of you travel an, an amazing amount of miles to get here to this church. You give up much to live. You live far away, but you come here because the word of God is taught here. And I know you live a long ways away because I've actually gone to your houses for dinner. When the GPS stops working on my phone, this sheep's got to move right here. I mean, this has happened. I get it's like, it's, uh, I, I don't know. It's kind of, babe, we're just kind of following the roads. Uh, some of you live a long ways away, but why are you here? You're giving up where you are to travel here to where the word of God is taught. God will bless you and has blessed you. When the elder uh, council came to me and Darren back in the day and said, we, you know, we want to build this building. It's going to cost about $18 million. We want you two guys to get together and figure out how to raise $9 million to put down as a down payment. Huh? You, you, you called me to preach, not be a fundraiser. So Darren and I are like, okay, now, now what do we do? And so many of us, so we presented the vision for you, the faith of what God was going to do. And then how much did we raise? Do you know? Well, it wasn't 9 million, it wasn't 10, it wasn't 11. But through the gifts of God's people, $12 million and more was raised for the down payment of an $18 million building. So that's the movement of God himself. See, God says, you go out with your finances give up things and I will, I will give unto you and God has. So we are a church of high definition faith. Uh, we understand what Abraham went through and we want to continue to live like that. So how many people can actually go to the church on this property? 3,000. So you figure before the virus hit, we were running around 2,500. So once we get everybody back in church and we go back to two services and three services, a lot of services, I'm just saying. When we go back to two, we can only have about 3,000 here. So what's faith say? We, like our forefathers, need to dream that, well, we need to go out from here and plant churches elsewhere and do greater things for God. Maybe this is the hub from which we go out and do more for God around the community and in the area. Another snapshot about faith I find most interesting. It's the last one in verses 11 and 12. And it's, it's, it's about Abraham and his wife, Sarah. This one uh, tells us that uh, high definition faith sees obstacles. It encounters them, but it sees them as divine opportunities. Notice what it says. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him, God, who is faithful to what he had promised. She got pregnant in her 80s. Did you hear me? There's no gasp. You're just sitting there going, oh, yeah, that's normal. Uh, no, 
No. How many here would want a child to be, how many would want to be pregnant at, at, at 80? Late 80s. Is it even possible? See, if you ever tell me that the Bible is so boring, no, it's not. I mean, consider what God does. He waits till the worst possible time. A lady, in her, a lady in her late 80s and her husband is in her late 90s. And he tells them, you're going to have a promised child through which the Messiah will come one day. And I'm going to do this myself. This is an obstacle that you're that old. But I'm going to give you a child. Uh, if you go back and you read uh, the account in Genesis 18 when this happened, it says the angel of the Lord went to uh, Abraham's tent and uh, he had some uh, angelic accompaniment with him. This is probably the pre-incarnate Jesus who goes and tells him, you're going to have a son who's going to have another son who eventually have a son from the tribe of uh, Judah and, and David the king, except, and then the Messiah will come. But you old couple are going to have the first of those sons, the promised son. Uh, it says in Genesis chapter uh, 18, verses uh, 1 to 12, that when uh, Sarah, who's behind the tent, listening to the angels talking to Abraham, when she heard this news that she was going to get pregnant, what'd she do? She laughed, wouldn't you? Like, you, are you kidding me? Do you know how old I am? There's no way. Have you seen my husband? He's 99 years old. There's no way we're going to have a child. She laughed. You know, she must have stopped laughing because uh, it says in the Hebrews 11 that she was a great woman of faith. So she came to embrace that. And then she's, uh, she had this little boy. What was his name? What was his name? Isaac. She had Isaac. What's his name mean in Hebrew? Laughter. Every time she said his name, it was reminded what she did when God said, I'm going to bless you with the child. I'm going to take your obstacle. I'm going to make it an opportunity. She had that child when she was 90 years old. And her husband was a hundred. Do you want a child when you're that old? See, when, when Liz was pregnant with uh, Nathan, our firstborn, uh, guys, have you ever said something really lame? Come on, get confessional. Don't just be looking at me going, not me. Uh, yeah, I said some dumb things in 40 years of marriage. Here's one of them. Liz is pregnant with Nathan. It's you know, in Dallas. It's hot. It's humid. She's eight months in. It's almost over. And so I looked at her and I said this to her. I said, honey, I cannot wait till you have this child so we can get our lives back to normal. <laughs> is that not lame? Yeah. So do you think it's been normal since then? Hmm. No. No. It's not been normal. You know, it's, and when you have a child, because uh, what do they do at night in the middle of the night? Cry. Scream. I had advanced Greek. I had six, my sixth year of Greek was 7.45 in the morning and there Nathan screams all night. I'm wired. I can't, I've slept. And I'm like, why do people have children? You know? I uh, mean, see, they had this child in their, you know, latter years and God blessed them greatly. See, God takes difficulties and he turns them into great opportunities to advance his cause. Think about this church when it was uh, planted back in uh, 75, 1975. Uh, they met in schools. Burke Elementary School, Cardinal Forest Elementary School. They eventually grew to the point where they needed some land. So they bought some land uh, in a, on a street in, uh, named Bel Air, four to five acres. They thought that's all we need. The church kept growing. It became an obstacle. Now what do we do? We bought land, but it's going to be too small for the size of the church. So they wound up buying this land through the Assembly of God Church that owned this gym over here. They bought that 13 acres. Perfect. What do they want to do on these 13 acres? Well, they wanted to build a sanctuary that could seat about 1,100 people. Guess what happened? That vision from those people back in the 70s became a reality. God said, I don't care what the obstacles are. I'm going to overcome and bless this area, this part of the, of the, of the country with the church that, that teaches the word of God. 
Do you think we had obstacles when we built this thing? Uh, yeah, slightly. Uh, how many days did it rain as we built? Yeah, at one point we were deciding we should be building a boat. We should be, we should be building a boat, not a church. Remember that they built this giant uh, basement over here and the 1,200 dump trucks hauled all the dirt out, etc. And the poor guy that parked his bobcat down there one day on a Friday and said, you know, I'll come get it Monday. Oh yeah, he needed a boat to get to it. You know, because it rained for 70 days. We had all kinds of obstacles. But all along the way, we didn't falter because we knew God had called us to do this. Uh, and you supplied the, the gifts to make it happen. And together with all of our, our, our work, uh, God gave us this great building. It's a, it's a huge responsibility to use it to his glory. But we're the kind of church that said, well, there's obstacles. There was a soccer field here. There was a forest here. We're thinking, man, is there some kind of protected squirrel on our property? Uh, no, God took us through all the obstacles and blessed us. I'm, I'm glad you're a part of the journey. It's exciting because God's not done. But what kind of people do we need to be? People with great, great faith. It consists of three things. What are the three things? It's test time. And I know it's not early because it's almost lunch. What's the first thing? Faith is what? It's rational. It's not irrational. Second thing about great faith, what is it? It goes out. It gives up much for God and it goes out and looks for God to bless you. It sacrifices things. And then lastly, it looks at obstacles that you encounter and says, no, God's going to use the obstacle. That's how he rolls. We're going to face many of those obstacles in the days ahead. But, but bear in mind, we serve the living God who, well, nothing's too hard for him. As he told Sarah, is anything too difficult for me? If he can speak the cosmos into existence, then he can take a, an 80-something-year-old woman and give her a, a promised child. That's how great he is. So whatever we face in the future, we, we serve the same God. I'm glad you are here. Uh, and you are here to serve that God with that kind of faith. And it's going to be exciting to see what he's going to do. And I'm glad you're in church today. Let's pray. God, what, what a great thing it is to worship you and honor you. We praise you for who you are. Thank you for just the opportunity to have faith based on great evidences. You don't so disclose yourself, you override our free will. You don't so remove yourself that we can never find you. You give us just enough evidence uh, to consider the fact that you are and that you love us and that you provided a plan to redeem us from sin. Thank you for who you are. Now as we sing this old hymn about your faithfulness to us, as we sing, might it truly come from our heart as a, as a point of great praise and adoration. Amen. Why don't you stand as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.